This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Talking about how gas prices in the area are expected to spike, jump. If they haven't already jumped, they're going to jump to a nine-month high. We are getting reports from, from some Taz and Jim listeners saying they've already gone up. Just drove past a Petro-Canada, guys. $1.77.9. Oh, that sounds like a 10-month high. Yikes. $1.77, wow. Good morning to Christina in Hamilton. Christina says, guys, I use the uh, the app, the Gas Buddy app, to keep tabs on gas prices. It's great. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gasbuddy.com as well. You can go to that website and it'll show you comparables for the gas stations in the area. The hot tip is always drive to the res if it's not too far away, right? Totally. Yeah, if you live in the country around there, that's amazing. Let's see here. Gas Buddy. Oh, now you have to log in to Gas Buddy? I don't have a thing yet. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's anyone's. Oh, man. Looking for some sweet deals there, yeah, Jim? Yeah, yeah. Now I have to s- sign in through Facebook, which is the new way now when you, like, instead of actually having a password and a username, you sign in through Facebook, Then, but then, like, it goes, Can, do we have access to all your photos and all your messages or whatever it asks? And I always say yes and no, don't read it. I don't know what I'm giving up. Gasbuddy.com owns your life now, yeah, Jim. great, just like the gas companies do. <laughs> so you do sign up for stuff when it says, would you like to sign up using Facebook? I never have. Yeah, you just, if you if you automatically log into Facebook when you open your browser, then it will automatically log in. I, I, I'm concerned that if I do that, it's going to be one of those Farmville situations. Remember Farmville? Yeah, I people, remember the game. On people Facebook. were playing Farmville all the time, and if you did something on Farmville, it would notify like all of your friends, and then they'd realize how much time you were spending playing Farmville. <laughs> you looked like a real <laughs> loser if you signed up for Farmville, <laughs> yeah. and your friends were getting messages about how much you played Farmville. Okay, so I, I don't need to give Gas Buddy access to my Facebook and have them start direct messaging everyone in my contacts. That, Truly. I mean, everyone already thinks I'm cheap. <laughs> Let's see Taz here. is driving on fumes right now because he refuses to fill up at $1.77. It could be worse. I see a couple places here, just like random pioneers in uh, in the city, one fifty seven point nine. A dollar fifty-seven. So there's still some deals out there. Yeah, under a buck sixty, which I think is a deal at this point. Unfortunately, Tilsonburg, a dollar fifty-seven point two. We've said it many times. <laughs> what kind of sad world are we living in when you get excited to fill up at a dollar sixty? I know, crazy. But you might want to do it if you have the opportunity today. This is the Taz and Jim podcast. I'm sure the anticipation. Is running wild right now for Jason Kloss, who joins us. Jason, tomorrow is going to get in the waters of Lake Ontario, and he's not getting out until he swims across that mother. <laughs> <laughs> you ready to go, Jason, or what? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm ready. I'm ready for it to be uh, to be over. It's been a long year of uh, of training and working towards this goal, so it'll be nice when it's over. Now, we had you on the show a couple months ago talking about how you're going to be swimming across Lake Ontario uh, to raise money and awareness for mental health issues. Uh, You've already swam across Lake Huron back in 2011. Uh, Does that seem like just yesterday or now that you're about to get back in the water? Is it all coming flooding back? 
Um, yeah, I think it really just hit me yesterday that I'm swimming across another lake tomorrow. Um, <laughs> so, it's crazy to yeah, say that sentence really, out loud. I know. Yeah, exactly. It just everything, all the feelings are coming back, and uh, um, but I'm ready for it. You're raising money for a good cause too, as well. Uh, the goal was fifty thousand dollars for mental health. How close are you to that goal? We are super close. I think we're. $46,000. Hey, out of the right yeah. on. Right there. Yeah. yeah and yeah. We'll, we'll be following you uh, through the day tomorrow. Kloss, the number two cross, kloss2cross.com. You can go to the website. You can donate there. You can read about the swim and you can follow along with Jason's uh, progress starting Friday at noon is when you're expecting to get in the water, right? Yeah, we've got a window from 12 till 6 p.m., but hoping that it'll be closer to the noon mark, but yeah. And where do you depart from? Uh, Queen's Royal Park at Niagara-on-the-Lake. Okay. Lovely. Beautiful spot. And yeah. you're going to end up? We And we end in Maryland Bell Park in uh, almost downtown Toronto. <laughs> that is just crazy. I was looking at, like, I was in a at a lake, but it was a small lake in northern Ontario, and I thought to myself, could I swim across there? I can see the shore. Yeah. Could I make it? And I realized, no, I wouldn't. I could not. And you're, you can't even see the shore at all. Maybe you could get across with the back float. You know what I mean? Surely that is the that is the get out of jail free card kind of. But even then, man, like that's it's easy to say, but when, you're, when your back is facing, you don't even know where you're headed when you're on your back. How many hours are you expected to be in the water for this crossing? Uh, 17 to 20 hours. Wow. It's unbelievable, yeah. man. And what, what, think about the night too, Jim. Like, well, I've been in lakes and like something touches your foot oh. <laughs> and you're like, little, get me in the boat. <laughs> if you're like waiting for the boat to turn around and pick you up from water skiing, just being out there is terrifying. Man. I don't know how you do it, buddy. What, what part are you most nervous about this whole process? What uh, keeps you up at night? Yeah, I mean, I think the nighttime is definitely the the uh, the most terrifying because it's very cold and dark and lonely. And um, I also think about those things that are at the bottom of the lake. The, lake. the well, Meg? I'm sure he... <laughs> don't say the Meg! We don't need him to see a prehistoric giant oh, shark swimming towards him. Uh, it's three in the morning, all dehydrated and hungry. Jason, <laughs> save them! I need you! <laughs> Don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it'll it'll all be good. There's nothing too scary in Lake Ontario other than mm. probably the pollution. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've told you, Jason. I uh, I did a crossing with uh, marathon swimmer uh, Vicky Keith and her husband John uh, back when I was in Kingston. So I, I've seen one of these. It's mo- the most remarkable thing you'll ever see is somebody swimming for that long without touching a boat. This is what people don't understand. Like you can't stop and take a break and hang on to the side of a kayak and have a little snack the entire time you're either swimming or treading water correct absolutely yeah i can't can't hang on to the boat can't get out of the water um you know i guess i can sleep but that's usually ends up me waking up underneath the underneath the water and that's you scary. can't rest your eyes <laughs> <laughs> oh man this is, is going to be exciting maybe we'll call and check in with you again tomorrow morning just to see if we can get you over that that goal of fifty thousand dollars and uh, just see how you're doing because it's uh, you got to be going through all the feelings right now oh yeah i think uh it'll be it'll be when i walk up to the lake 
to get in. It'll be it'll be an amazing feeling and uh, an even better feeling when I pull myself out on the other side. No in that doubt. moment when you get into the water, are you going to be thinking about your grandpa? Absolutely. I'm going to think about my, my grandpa. I'm going to think about Mike. I'm going to think about, you know, all the people that have dedicated a, a kilometer um, on the website to, to somebody with mental health and dementia and Alzheimer's. And, uh, yeah, just thinking about everybody that's, uh, that supported me, and um, it all helps to get me across. Okay. Well, let's show that support. Kloss to Cross. That's K L. O-S-S, the number two cross.com. We'll put a link on the Taz and Jim Facebook page if you want to support. But in uh, just over 24 hours, Jason Kloss is getting in the water, Lake Ontario, and Niagara on the lake, and he's not stopping until he gets downtown Toronto. Good luck, man. We'll give you a, a call if you don't mind tomorrow and just see how you're doing as you get ready to get in the, in the lake, okay? Absolutely. Thanks, Taz and Jim. Again, all the details on the Taz and Jim Facebook page. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Robbie Robertson did not sing most of the tracks, but he definitely was the backbone of the band. He has passed away at age 80. Up on Cripple Creek, she sends me if I spring a leaf. She mends me, I don't have the speed, but she defends me a drunkard's dream. If I you when I heard the news, Jim, I know these are... Some of your favorite songs. Somewhere down the crazy river. Uh, Robbie Robertson, born Jamie Royal Robertson in Toronto, July 5th, 1943. His mother, Rosemarie Dolly Chrysler, was an indigenous Canadian of Mohawk and Cayuga descent. She married a Canadian army enlistee named Jim Robertson. Later on, Robbie found out that his biological father was a man he described as a card shark hmm. of Jewish heritage named Alex Klegerman, who was killed in a highway hit-and-run accident before Robertson was born. As a boy, he would visit uh, relatives on the Six Nations Indian Reserve in the Taz and Jim listening area, and he would always be impressed with the musical ability of everyone as he described it, on the reserve. Everyone was singing, playing an instrument, and it was part of the inspiration for him to take the path he took. And he obviously hasn't forgotten about those experiences as a boy because in a statement that the family put out on social media, they've asked that donations be made to the Six Nations of the Grand River to support a new Woodland Cultural Center in uh, Robertson's memory. So cool. if you're looking to uh, make a donation, that's where Robbie wants it to go. Uh, also, they note that Robbie was surrounded by his family at the time of his death and that he has completed his 14th film music project with Martin Scorsese. He hmm. did the music for Raging Bull. He did the music for The Color of Money. Uh, of course, Scorsese directed the iconic concert film, The Last Waltz. Classic. So they had quite a relationship. And the new Scorsese movie starring Leonardo DiCaprio is Killers of the Flower Moon. I don't know if you've seen the 
the trailer for the film, but no. it's very intense. It's about uh, uh, an indigenous community. So obviously, you know, things full circle for Robbie Robertson. And it's, uh, it's pretty incredible that he got to complete that project before he passed away. Um, but uh, that film will be coming out. In the next year. Rest in peace, Robbie Robertson of the band. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Yesterday was the best day of the summer, according to my six-year-old son, Grayson Jim. Wow. Best day of the summer. We spent it at East Park, which is London's family fun park. If you're if you're not from the London area, it's a ton of fun out there. They got the go-karts. They got a full golf course. They've got two mini putt courses, uh, an indoor like fun center, mm-hmm. and, of course, the water slides. Now, my son, he's never been on an actual water slide before, so it was mm. a big day heading out there yesterday. Plus, he's grown quite a bit over the past year, so now he's tall enough to ride any slide. Hmm. He's, he's never been on a grown-up water slide in his life. <laughs> There's so, some big ones over there. I thought, why not start them at the top? And I pointed to the bullet. Now... <laughs> Describe for people who don't know what the bullet looks like. Describe the bullet to them, Jim. Well, it's straight down, as far as I remember. I think almost every water park in the world has a bullet. You know, it's a yeah, very it's, common it's type. It's the most intense slide, and yeah. it is. It's, it's a it's a straight drop that just curves at the bottom enough to slow you down so sure. you end up stopping. Yeah, yeah. It's like usually you work your way up to that, and that's the final boss, you yeah. know, as a kid. Totally. So you said, we're starting at the top? I said, you want to try the bullet? And he doesn't know any better. He's like, sure. And I'm like, all right, buddy. I go, it's going to look a lot different when we get up to the top of the stairs. You want to do this? He's like, yep. Okay, daddy. So we climb all the way up. And of course, once we get to the top and he kind of sees over like the uh, incline, decline of the slide, he gets a little bit nervous. So I say, do you want me to go first, bud? knowing that I'm going to be leaving him up there mm-hmm. and his only options are to follow daddy down the slide or to do the walk of shame down the stairs, <laughs> which is never fun. And he says, yeah, you go first, daddy. So I went and I go down. And honestly, I haven't been on a water slide in a couple of years. I, I remember riding the bullet back when it was at Wally World in London before they moved it to East Park when I was in uh, elementary school, you know, mm-hmm. early high school. And it gave me butterflies in my stomach back then. I, I, I was scared to ride it in like age 10 to 14, you oh, know? Oh, for sure, yeah. So I go down the slide, I'm like, oh yeah, this is really fast. <laughs> and I turn around and I see his little tiny legs just dangling over the side. Oh, they dangle. Like when you're sitting there, you can't see 90%. Yeah, you can't even see what you're about to go down because you can't no. look forward and look back. No, his little tiny six-year-old legs are dangling. I'm like, oh boy, is he going to do it? So I look up and I do the one, two, three count with my hand. And sure enough, he drops into that thing. He's wobbling back and forth, just flying towards me. Yeah. I'm killing my Myself laughing, and there's a couple ladies in there who are laughing too because I'm like, Oh, he's never been down a water slide before. This may be his last time, yeah, yeah, <laughs> since I got him to go down the bullet. But he got to the bottom, he was proud of himself, 
He did not feel the need to go down again. Sure, sure. What was his face like when he came out? Was it like wide-eyed and, and like coughing and spitting out water? No, he was he was pale. Yeah, like, yeah, like no in doubt. shock, kind of. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, he was uh, he was not in a hurry to do it again, <laughs> but he did it. And sure, I was I was a proud papa in that moment. It's odd because he it either goes one way or another. Like he never wants to do it again, or he becomes a speed demon. You know, right. always looking for the next thrill. <laughs> But I figured ignorance is bliss, so why not start him at the bullet and then all the other water slides will be super easy for yeah, him, right? Yeah, exactly. He's already climbed Everest. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. We are getting bombarded with messages here about time blindness. We were talking about this video that's gone viral online, a woman complaining that uh, people aren't accommodating her for her time blindness, which she claims is a real thing. We looked it up. It is a real thing. It is not a diagnosis, according to a doctor at the Cleveland Clinic in the United States. It's not a specific system or a diagnosis. It's more of a general way of talking about the phenomenon of losing track of time. Uh, Some of the messages we're receiving, Jim. Hey, guys, I've never heard of time blindness before. But my wife totally has this. She is never on time for anything, and she's been super lucky since we met. She's had a couple really good jobs that have worked around that and accepted that with her. Her current job treats her super well, and she's always late. Guess it's good that she's a hard worker and a super great person. Uh So there you go. If you are a great employee, then I'm sure... A couple accommodations here aren't the end of the world, but it also is dependent on what your job is. If you're a firefighter uh-huh. and you show up three late, three hours late to a fire. If you're a train conductor, <laughs> you know. Sure, it's gotta, all about time. Got to make sure those things are running on time. And I would say that most people's wives are time blind when it comes to getting ready for an event like I always tell my wife, if we have a wedding to go to or a dinner, I'll tell her half an hour to an hour earlier than we actually have to leave just to make sure she's ready in time. How dare you? That's her time blindness. So I that's know, why you were late I, to my I'm wedding? A, I'm a comedy. We were so almost late. late to your wedding, and then we were almost late, late to the next wedding we went to, and now it is, I know it's because my wife is time blind when she is getting ready to go to an event. So it's not her fault. <laughs> it kicks in. Hmm. Here's a um, message, text message, one eight three three taz and Jim, if you want to get in touch with us. You guys are perpetuating stupidity by talking about this. Somewhere, someone's hearing about this for the first time, and they are now going to use time blindness as an excuse. Probably true. Probably, and I'm sure a couple people jotted that down. They'll be using it later this week. (laughs) Well, here's one that's taking it very seriously. Hey, Taz and Jim, perhaps a bit of awareness around neurodiversity and the way that the brain actually processes the passage of time will help understand the concept of time blindness with a little bit more compassion. Hashtag ADHD, hashtag neurodiversity, hashtag shame on you. Oh, we got a shame on you. I'm not denying that people have, some people, especially people with ADD, have a harder time being organized yeah. and keeping track of time. However, is it a clinical diagnosis that a that a, an employer should be legally obligated to work around? I don't think so. I think it's reasonable for an employer to say, you need to be at work at this time. Yes. And, <laughs> yes. Then, you, and then you as the employee... Can either choose to work there yeah. under those uh, stipulations there, or not. There are so many tools on your cell phone 
that can help you ensure you are on time. Yes, a, a, a wristwatch, a Timex. Yeah, sure. It's There's, never it never leaves your wrist. You can set alarms for yourself when when the noise goes off in your pocket. It means it's time to go to work. It's pretty straightforward. And also, I will say, I'm the poster boy for ADHD. I was can confirm. <laughs> What's the opposite of blindness? You have squirrel sightedness. Anytime anything runs past you, you notice it. I, I get distracted yeah. immediately. I was I was Mr. Ritalin, so I I do get that people's brains work differently, and there were some challenges that I faced, especially earlier in my life, that I had to you know, develop tools to deal with, but. You know, one thing I, I never did was use my ADHD as an excuse for not being able to do something. I was accountable and responsible for my actions, and I played the hand that I was dealt. Mm-hmm. So set an alarm. But what I also, my my phone's dead, though. I have charge blindness. I can never <laughs> you tell. You can never keep track never, of when your phone's about to die. If you can't get a hold of me, die, it's not my fault. My phone's yeah, dead. that's a real thing. We don't want to get in, uh, in trouble here with anyone who suffers from time blindness. Again, we acknowledge it's a real thing and that people lose track of time, some easier than others. Uh, the question is, how much of an excuse is it and... Can you manage your time blindness? This is a great message we just received from one of our listeners. Hey, Taz and Jim. My name's Katrina, 29 female. I've been diagnosed with ADHD since I was a kid and experienced time blindness pretty bad. For example, I'll be looking for something for, quote, five minutes when it's actually been 20 or 30 minutes. But when I need to be somewhere on time, I I will actually set multiple timers 10 minutes apart, an hour before I need to leave to keep me on track. So my point is it's not easy but it is manageable. And she's not using as, it as an excuse, right? She's uh-huh. doing what she needs to do. Good for you. Uh, here's another text message we just received. This is from Bernsey. Hey, Taz and Jim, just curious. Do people with time blindness suffer from the same affliction when it's time to go home from work? Oh, I wonder. <laughs> do they ever accidentally stay till 7 p.m. instead of 5 p.m. or something? Yeah. Or are they always punching out at 5? If I was an employer and the the reason that my employee was giving me for being late for work all the time was time blindness, I would be keeping an eye on things to see if they ever accidentally work an extra yeah, seven hours. Yeah, And I'm no expert on time blindness, but wouldn't you be as likely to show up early? If you're just if you don't calculate time correctly, you're as likely to show up early. Maybe. Whether well, does that ever happen, or Maybe. is it always late? Hey guys, we had a job interview the other day. It was set up for one p.m. The guy didn't show up. He called back at three and said he slept in until <laughs> three p.m. Oh boy, what's this world coming to? We're in trouble. <sighs> Maybe he was working a night shift and he's still yeah. employed and looking for another. Maybe I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, but that's not good. He didn't claim time blindness, but. No, <laughs> sleeping in. <laughs> yeah. At that point, you don't even bother calling. Yeah, you right? missed your shot, buddy. <laughs> if you missed the job interview by two to three hours, it's yeah. time to just start applying somewhere else. Yeah. Or under a different name at the same place. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Taz and Jim podcast. I like this one. I don't like it. It's sad. But it caught my attention. Woman denies poisoning family with death cap mushrooms after three die. Hmm. I don't like the sound of death cap. 
Death cap for cutie? Small town in Australia is reeling after three people died in quick succession, another fighting for their life, after they went to lunch with their relative who remains unharmed. Hmm. Hmm. That's why you always wait for them to bite their sandwich first. Uh, So... Erin Patterson, a 48-year-old woman, hosted her former parents-in-law at her mother-in-law's sister and husband's house for lunch. Shortly after, four guests were hospitalized with severe gastrointestinal problems. The fourth guest, uh, the woman's husband, is in critical condition and is in need of a liver transplant. Don't mess with these death cap mushrooms. They sound like the real deal. I guess so. I'm. I know an all, a lot of mushrooms are edible. You can find in the forest, but I'm still blown away when people will go out to a forest in Ontario and just grab puffballs or whatever mushrooms. Pick they can a rando forage. mushroom. Yeah, and I know that if you know what you're looking for, it's probably fine. But it still scares the hell out of me. Yeah, you got to know your shrooms. <laughs> You're going to stick them in your face. Uh, so Aaron is the one who cooked lunch. She's the only adult that didn't fall ill after eating. Her two children will uh, were also at lunch, but they had a different meal. Hmm. They show no signs of illness. Does that sound suspicious to you at Sounds all? Sounds a little suspicious. That's why you got to give yourself like an eighth of a dose. You know, just to get yourself off the suspect yeah. list. You got to shoot yourself in the leg if you're going to shoot everyone else, yeah, right? Yeah, you rob the bank. Oh, or wow, yeah. someone busted busted in here and shot everyone but me. <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> How convenient. I'm devastated. I loved them. I can't believe this has happened, and I'm sorry, says Aaron. However, she is a suspect in a homicide investigation, although no charges have been laid thus far. Also, it's not a great plan. You know, the mass poisoning, they're going to trace it back to whatever they ate at some point. Who who did the cooking? Yeah, is, like it's like, is it's in investigator stomachs. textbook question yes. number one. Who made lunch? Yeah, it couldn't be an easier case to research.